friends, Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast, the show for IT professionals where we try to help you out with networking, business ownership stuff, anything that we can do to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. We share products, stories, and tips, and sometimes we talk to vendors in the channel, and that is what we are doing today. I am joined by one of the finalists for this year's Pitch It Contest by ConnectWise, Matthew Koenig from Nodeware is in the house. Matt, how are you? Good, how are you? I am doing good. So it has been a couple of weeks since the visit to O-Town. How you been? I've been good. I took some time off. I took my wife and we went to New Zealand, oh. which was nice. I needed it. Really? And, uh, What's yeah. What was in New Zealand? Just a bucket list thing or you got stuff there? Now, we were actually supposed to be out at uh, Australia Datocon, and we had to pull away from it for some personal reasons, but I had made this trip to go on afterwards, you know, as a vacation for me and my wife, so we still kept it. Nice. So, you know, we had always wanted to go there. We're starting to, you know, we're getting older, so we're starting to try to pick, you know, a place a year that we want to see and go on a bigger vacation versus just, you know, a bunch of small ones. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So uh, I'm assuming that was before Thanksgiving? That was actually during Thanksgiving. Oh, it was during Thanksgiving. Yep. So you blew off the rest of the family. I did. And I was, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I was very happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, okay. So let's uh, chat real quick. Uh, IT Nation, you guys were there and uh, representing Nodeware. And I should probably do this because – the company is actually IGI Cyber Labs. Is that correct? So the parent company or sister company, however you want to look at it, is IGI Cybersecurity. That's where it all started. They're the ones who created Nodeware for their use. Okay. Then they created IGI Cyber Labs as, I guess, for lack of a better term, a holding company to have Nodeware so it could be its own separate entity. Because we don't want the two companies intermixing. Okay. Because as we said, they, they deal with the enterprise side and everything like that. But within the channel, there's no reason for the two companies to intermix, so to speak. So that's what the IGI Cyber Labs Okay. Is. So we should just always refer to you as Nodeware. You got it. All right. Not some big money laundering scheme or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not the mafia. At least not yet. <laughs> All right. So uh, you were there at IT Nation uh, doing your Nodeware pitch. And sadly, uh, you guys got third place. So, of course, the very first question is, what happened to the snake knives? <laughs> I, I think they're at an Airbnb in Orlando at this point. Really? I think an Airbnb in Orlando got a brand new set of snake knives. <laughs> For those of you that don't know and don't follow the show, as we were talking about pitch it over the summer, uh, we were talking about the fact that the first place and second place winners got money and the third place winners got nothing. And I'm like, they got to get something. And of course, I don't know if there was, you know, budget concerns or if that was just all the way, you know, part of the plans. But I said, I'll, I'll pitch in and do something and I'll find something from the dollar store. And this year was a set of steak knives. Uh, I'll talk with Sean for next year and see if there's something in the budget or if I've got to do another dollar store purchase for them. Uh, but that, that, that seemed to get a lot of attention there. People were screaming 
for the steak oh, knives. Yeah. I was oh, quite I, shocked. I got so many follow-ups. <laughs> so many follow-ups. You know, because remember, Glenn Gary, Glenn Roth, that famous sales movie. It's, yeah. you know, you know, third place is a set of steak knives. <laughs> and so everybody got that reference because, you know, they're all of our age. Yep. And so, oh my God, the amount of comments and the amount of emails and even phone calls that I got. <laughs> wow. Hey, so I helped to some degree get you a little bit of exposure. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you know what? Uh, any exposure, as long as it's not us screwing up something, is great exposure. Mm. Well, nice, nice, nice. All right, so let's talk a little bit about – let me just ask how the experience at IT Nation was because I was there in a mixed capacity as an MSP and a podcaster from the vendor's perspective and particularly somebody that was you know, pitching to be a part of it. You, you had a booth, but – you weren't a full I don't I don't know how the dynamics was, but tell us how things were from that perspective. Well, the first thing is we had planned to be there no matter what before we joined Pitch It. So I had a full booth. I didn't do the free booth. Okay. And actually the free booths this year were kind of cool because they were out in the uh hall. Yep. Last year they were all the way stuffed in the back, and I didn't want that, no matter what. So we kept our big booth that we had inside. Um, and then I was kind of upset because I like because you could you could have had that exposure out front. Had a free booth and it was in a great place this year. But anyway, no, I mean the pitch competition was really cool. And as I've said before, you know there's so many things you can learn out of it, and so many people in the company that can get different stuff. You know, I had my marketing person attend a few sessions. My CEO attended a couple of sessions. I got them all on there. So the amount of information and the coaches that were there and what they supplied was awesome. Because even if it was covering stuff that I've said before, as you know, it's always nice for them to hear it from somebody else. Um, so that was fantastic. And then the whole process, I mean, it was a lot of fun. It was tons of exposure. It taught me a lot about narrowing, you know, the pitch down, uh, making sure what was important to say about the product or service as opposed to what was uh, superfluous. And the actual competition itself, well, you know, I'm a big ham. I love speaking. So I had a blast giving the pitch. It was so much fun. Um, even the judges' questions, you know, I, I like I like questions because questions means you paid attention and you want to know more about something. Right. And so as opposed to, and I'm not saying any of the finalists there, but people I know that don't like, why are you questioning it? I love that. Question me all day long because it means you're actually paying attention and, and you care to know more. Um, so overall, it was fantastic. The amount of exposure we got is great. The fact that we got uh, into the invent program at a discount, which allowed us to create that native integration was fantastic as well. I mean, that only helps as we continue to grow. So I would say overall, A minus. And the only reason it's not an A plus is because third, really, guys? Say it. Go ahead and say it. I'm just saying. Oh, I was going to say third, third sucks. <laughs> I, third does suck. I mean, come on. We got – it's like American Idol, Right. Number one gets all the publicity, gets a record contract. Two through ten still get record contracts. It's just not as big of a deal. And I'll be perfectly honest, at that point, it was kind of ego. Mm. 
I mean, my ego was bruised. I thought, you know, I thought we did a good job. I thought we followed the format really well. I got to talk to the judges afterwards. I pinned them down individually because I know most of them. And, you know, ask for feedback. What could we have done differently? What is it that didn't resonate with all right. well, so since, That was also nice. Well, since since you went there, did they give you anything that you looked at it and said, okay, I get that. Yep, I get it. Or did you say, you're wrong? No, honestly, from two of them, I guess, you know, because they all talked and deliberated. I got one thing that I didn't agree with. I understand the thought process, so I'm not saying it was a bad thought process. But if two of them thought about it, I asked, well, why didn't you ask that question and let me clarify? And two of them went, well, I, I, I said, exactly. I said, cause you, cause if you would ask that question and they're like, well, why didn't you hit on it? I said, cause I got five minutes and I got a judge's sheet and I followed the judge's sheet. That's why. So I, again, not a bad thing. It was just interesting to hear the different perspectives and the feedback that they gave because based on all of them coming from kind of different backgrounds, it was interesting to hear the reasons that we came in third, why they picked thread, you know, in first place or whatever the case may be. And as I said, none of it is a bad thing. It, it, it was just interesting to get the feedback. And I really... You know, for the judges, if they listen to this, they cannot possibly imagine how much I appreciate at least them giving me feedback and not just saying I'm not going to talk about it. All right. So I'm throwing out the script that we had because I want to dive into this a little bit more. So you spent, what was it, 16 weeks in this program uh, basically pitching and pitching and refining and pitching and being told by, I don't know what, Hundreds of of people, MSPs, people at ConnectWise, Mr. Lardo, this is what you should do. This is what you should talk about. And then you get to the final competition, mm-hmm. and it's with three judges who listen. I mean, they're they're in the channel. They're mm-hmm. they're you know they're recognizable. They're all over the yes. place. But and they're smart people. But they haven't paid attention to the pitch it contest, so they're coming from a completely different perspective. How do you think that played into what you had geared up to for the 16 weeks to hear what they said? And maybe it's a complete boomerang uh, from what you've heard, you know, all summer. I asked Sean and again, just so everybody knows, not bad or good, just informational. I asked Sean, you know, did they get to prepare at all? Right. Did they get to see what the pitches? Did they at least hear about it? And he said, no. And I said, okay. He said he wanted them to come in cold because he wanted them to hear the pitch as it was and take that to make the decision. So there was no research on who's node where, who's thread, who's VCIO. Now, some of them may have heard before of who you are, but there was no information given to them. And that's fine. The only thing, and I know this is going to sound like sour grapes, and I absolutely do not mean it that way. It was a fantastic experience. Sean was great. Everybody was great. And I love you all. But I was told there were two kind of pitches we gave. An investor pitch, which we gave to ConnectWise's GMs, all of them. An MSP pitch that we gave on a channel program, 
right, with Matt and uh, Kevin and all of them. I kept asking, what pitch is this? Who are we pitching to? Because part of it, of course, is you want to pitch to the MSPs in the room. Right. Right? Because that's really where you're getting money from. It's nice to win, you know, first prize and get money. But it's it, you're trying to get business. Let's be honest. But I was told this was an MSP pitch. Based on the feedback that I got, some of the questions were more along the line, I guess, what I would consider to be the investor pitch. What? Well, because none of the judges were MSPs. Well, one was. The, oh, yes, yes, one was. But, but two one weren't. One was, and she gave me very positive feedback. She thought what we did uh, was very important. I mean, she said that. She thought what we were doing was extremely important and extremely valuable. You know, I won't go into other details of the conversation, but she did say that. Right. And as I said, the pitch was supposed to be refined to give like we were pitching to an MSP. That is the only thing that if I could say I had any kind of beef with it, so to speak, because when I got feedback from the judges, some of the things they said were more along the line of what you would put into an investor pitch. Right? Gotcha. As opposed to what an MSP owner would technically care about. Mm. So, I mean, if I had any feedback to give um, whatsoever, that's it. I mean, it's just if you're going to say you're pitching to judges, fine. Give us the judge's name ahead of time. And I know Sean doesn't like that idea either because <laughs> he feels that's an unfair right. advantage also, which is fine. Again, I understand all the points. But I really think that I might have changed up a few things had I known who I was talking to. Right. So that's it. Yeah. All right. And that makes sense because you had gone through some of the other conferences this year and winning some of the best presentation awards, best vendor awards. So uh, I can see where getting to the end of that and, you know, not being pitched as top dog could could make sense. Now let's let's switch that a little bit to how it happens when you're meeting people at a booth or in the hallway where again you've got just a few seconds, maybe a few minutes, mm-hmm. to in a sense pitch us as MSPs at the booth. If people go to your site and they look up Nodeware, you guys have a a, a questionnaire section. That pretty much outlines this is who we are, this is how our product works, and it's pretty straightforward. But how do you change that when you're dealing with somebody face-to-face at a booth who, you know, they may be there for the swag yeah. and then you just <laughs> happen to talk to them or they may be like, uh, I don't know you. Tell me about you. Sure. Well, first thing I'll say is our, our new updated website which should be very cool. We've been working six months on. It'll be out. Well, they say in January. So again, I'll say first quarter. Okay. But I think people will find it very cool and even more useful because it's not just about Nodeware, right? It's about what we're doing within the industry and why that may be important. But anyway, cut cut out of that commercial. (laughs) To answer your question, I mean, when I talk to someone, the first thing I do is, of course, just name it out there. We do continuous vulnerability scanning. And then I look at their face, because I've been doing this a long time, to judge, was it a, huh, Scooby-Doo? Or was it a, okay, 
Yeah, I get it. And then I just go into very quickly, what are the high-level features? How does it compete with the big boys? Because I think a lot of people are afraid to bring up the competition. And you know what? Uh, they're going to find out. <laughs> they're going to find out and they're going to talk about it. So I don't see the point of not bringing it up really quickly. You know, I don't spend hours on it. and I don't even spend more than a minute on it. But I say, here's how we compare to the big boys. And our message really is we make it faster, simpler, more cost effective and quicker. You know, that's the reality. We allow you to find vulnerabilities right now and fix them now as opposed to 90 days down the road when someone's already been able to cause damage. Right. And so, you know, and then I let them kind of drive the rest of the conversation as they ask questions, right, or whatever the case may be. And if they don't ask questions, you know, then once I'm done giving them the one-minute overview, I'll ask them, do you do vulnerability scanning? And I'll let them answer that because sometimes it's, well, I use X vendor. Interesting. Okay. Well, X vendor does not do vulnerability scanning. Let me explain the difference. Um, which is fine. Education's part of it. You know, or they'll say, yes, I do. And here's who I use and here's how I'm doing it. And so then I'll ask different questions. How much time does it take? What do you think the average cost of doing a scan is, you know, for you or whatever? You know, so it's really driving as opposed to our product's the best. It's really trying to drive value and what we bring to the table for an MSP as to why they even want to try us out. And then me, because I've been doing it a long time, I'm pretty straightforward at the end. I'm blatant. I look at them and go, you got three choices now. You tell me which one. I got a laptop behind me. It goes out eight weeks. You can sign up for a 30-minute demo. We're happy to show you everything, answer all your questions. Two, you can let me scan you and say, follow up with me on this date and time. Or three, you could take a T-shirt, walk away, and say, leave me alone. I'm okay. Whichever one it is, I'm okay. Just be honest, and let's keep moving. So I, I try not to be overly aggressive. I try to educate as opposed to just shove product, you know, at someone. But I think to kind of an earlier conversation about vendor etiquette and stuff like that, I will say this, and I'm going to add it on. I think one of the things people have to realize is the channel's a big industry, but a small family. And you have to be willing, if you don't have the right product, to walk someone over to your competitor if it's a better product. I mean, I'll point blank tell someone based on their questions or based on what they're looking for. Oh, you know what? Actually, let me introduce you to my friend over here because that's actually what you're looking for or that actually fits your need better. And you know what? I don't see how that hurts you. One, they weren't going to buy your product. It didn't meet their needs. Two, if they bought your product and it didn't meet your needs, it was going to be a waste of everybody's time. And three, They'll remember it. And if they ever have a need or they hear someone has a need, hopefully they'll recommend you. Right. I, I just, it's not rocket science. Do the right thing. Educate as opposed to throw up on somebody and help them make a decision that makes the most sense for their organization. And thank goodness this year we've added over 300 new MSPs with our messaging and because of the value that we bring. And, you know, that's amazing. And I'm sure 
we've had just as many that said, eh, timing's not right or it's not the right product for me. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You haven't signed up still. I mean, you know, it is what it is right now. <laughs> I have not. But uh, 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 I, let me let me say this. For the people that were listening in thought, what earlier conversation? Because some people will know that you were back on the show, uh, episode 527, uh, yep. for people that uh, will want to go back and hear or for people that remember uh, as part of the vendor spotlight. Uh, but actually, we had a conversation just before recording here. We talked about vendor etiquette. And that's where we were talking about um, everybody playing nice with each other, uh, honesty back and forth between both the vendor and the MSP. Uh, and that will be a discussion we'll have later on down the road. Um, but to your point that, yeah, I, I haven't signed up because I've, I've got my stack that I'm happy with. I've got vulnerability standing in it. Uh, I don't want to upset the cart right now, but at some point, at some point I will. Um, and, and you know what? When the timing's right, we're going to be here. Yeah. You know, and, and that's my big thing. It's like, look, you need vulnerability scanning in your stack. As far as I'm concerned anymore, whether you do it with us, you do it with a competitor, you do it wherever. If you don't have vulnerability scanning, you know, and you're not being proactive in your security stack as an MSP, you are not providing the right value to your customer. That being said... It goes back to big industry, small community. You know what? As long as you're doing it, I don't want to say I don't care who you're doing it with, but as long as you're doing it and you're happy and it works for you, rock on. Yeah. You know, let's keep, if you have a need for me later, you want to see what I have to do. That's great. And if you never do, that's also great. Yep. So just to at least make sure we hit some of the features here of Nodeware, because obviously we're not, we're not doing a full, you know, on, you know, commercial here, but uh, the fact that you guys are doing continuous scanning as opposed to most of the scanning products that are either a one-off or monthly, and you have to wait until the next month to see if the report does. Uh, some of them will allow you to do on-demand scanning. Uh, your product is, you know, always on, always watching in a sense. Uh, it does a little bit more in the sense that you can do uh, kind of an inventory report. As well, to inventory, including IoT devices. Uh-huh. We've got uh, we've got MSPs that have found Roombas. It's hysterical. They yeah. come back and go, I found a Roomba. I'm like, well, it has an IP address. So that's fantastic. Yeah. It means our software is doing what it's supposed to. It is. It is. I've got, I was just paying attention to, I'm using another product for that and I've, PlayStation 5 was in the office. And I'm like, why is that there? <laughs> Turns out some kid showed up, you know, couldn't go to school or something. And they're like, oh, bring him in. And all of a sudden, the PlayStation 5 is on the network. And here I am calling, going, um, who's playing games over there? So, but yeah, that's obviously uh, uh, something to have. And oh, speaking of not just the asset inventory report, but the alerting when stuff does show up on the network. Uh, that is a part of your product as well. Absolutely. If someone puts in asset that's never shown up in a scan on any one of your networks, in under five minutes, you're going to be alerted. And it's going to give you the, all the information it can find. IP, MAC address, any fingerprint information it can pull down. But I think there there's one more critical piece to that. It's going to tell you the day and the time it 
was attached to the network. Right. So now you're not having to go, okay, an asset was added. Now what the heck? You're going to know at four o'clock on Friday, this asset was added to the network. So now you can hunt down who was in the office, you know, et cetera, et cetera, as opposed to great. Now what do I do? Right. Now we've not talked about what type of information it grabs. Now you said IP, Mac and all of that, but uh, how much digging does it does? Is there SNMP sensors that will, you know, bring back the name? If it's a desktop, will it bring back the OS and some other information? So if it doesn't have an agent on it, right? So it's an uncredentialed scan. It will use SNMP, okay, to pull off as much information as possible. So to your point, yeah, if there's an operating system, it'll identify it. Um, if it's a Dell laptop, for instance, it'll pull down that it is a Dell laptop versus a HP versus whatever it is. <laughs> um, but it's limited, right, by what SNMP will give off, as opposed to, you know, when you have something that you're purposely there, you get detailed information. But what we'll pull down is the IP, the MAC address, as much description information as to the type of computer, what the operating system is, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll bring all of that back. So you at least know what you're dealing with and what you're hunting for. All right. Now, here's a question I'm going to ask because this may be a reason for me to chat with you soon is I had one of the clients where we are doing vulnerability scanning for them and they may have to do third-party attestation, which my product does not do. A lot of products don't do that. Uh, is there a third-party attestation that is either into your built into your system or a one-off purchase or a referral type system? We we can do a referral, but we do not do third-party attestation at this point in time. We, uh, we, we are not an assessor. We have not signed up because we want to stay neutral in that respect. Um, so although the product has passed multiple times, we do not, just like you wouldn't want, we don't attest <laughs> right. our own product. I wish we did. It would be great. But uh, we've chosen to stay away from that just because of the fact that even if we matched it up, HIPAA, PCI, right, CMMC, whatever, it's still just a matchup. It's not an attestation right. per se. Okay. Well, I wanted to ask that because that's probably the, the next thing I need to add is a third-party attestation. And you're right. No, I mean, obviously, I can't attest to my scan for my client. That's that's not third party. Right, exactly. And um, if I can think of anyone, I will send them your way, meaning I'll give you their name. I just can't think of anyone off the top of my head right now. But I know there are people out there that do do that. And um, matter of fact, I can think of one. I'll get with you after the show. Okay, all right. Uh, I know that there have been rumors of updates coming uh, announced in Q4 that have to do with automatic patching, remediation. Uh, I haven't seen that officially announced anywhere. Is is are, are we still going to make it for Q4 or is it? Uh, yeah. No, that's why that's why I've told every single person I talked to about it. Q1, because as we kind of discussed earlier, I say dev lies. They don't really lie, but something inevitably gets delayed. 
or they QA it and they find a problem and don't want to release it, which you know what? I'd rather have. So it, I, I'm 99% sure it's going to move into Q1, but it'll be the beginning of Q1. And basically what it's going to allow people to do uh, for Windows to start, Windows devices and operating systems, it's going to allow you to actually remediate directly from the software. So instead of having to go and go to our page that we give you now, we give you a link to the solution. You go there, you can press the button on Microsoft's or uh, Adobe site or whatever and push that patch out. You're going to be able to do it right from there. You're going to be able to say, you know what? I'm okay with this. Boop. And it's going to go, you know, remediate or send out that patch or whatever else needs to happen that the manufacturer's public. And as I said, it's going to be Windows only to start, but we do plan on throughout 2024 adding in all the rest of the manufacturers, you know, that we currently find solutions for. Now, the current piece where a link will take you to the solution, you know, that you need to fix the problem, that, of course, will still remain there. So, you know... But I'm excited about it. You know, and we've got some other features we're working on that we've gotten feedback from MSPs on, uh, which I'm real excited about that I think will uh, add a lot of value to the product. But I will say this, um, as I've said before, we're staying in our lane. We don't want to try to add 1,400 features to our product. We want to add features in our lane that make the product better but we don't want to add, you know, just all kinds of different things it can do. You know, there are some people out there that started with vulnerability scanning and then said, ooh, what about this? Ooh, what about this? We're not trying to create a massive platform. We're trying to be the best at what we do and add features that we get feedback on that fit within our lane. Well, that sounds good because that's uh, one of the reasons I don't swap products very often. I find stuff that works and I'll use it until it doesn't. And I'm okay with updates that make it better. Yep. I'm, I'm not happy with updates just to update. Yep. And I'm not happy with updates that break something. Exactly. <laughs> so no, I, I, a million percent. So I don't mind dev being ambitious. Um, but yeah, don't put something out until it's ready. You know, and I will say, God bless them. My dev is more careful than almost any dev team I've ever worked with. And that's not a, uh, what's the right word? That's not a plug for Nodeware. That's oh, a personal were... plug. Like, been there, done that, have the t-shirt. And I I'm a... very happy with that. I thought you were going to say that's not a backhanded slap towards. <laughs> no, it's not. But I mean, as you just said, dev a lot of times, you know, they get pressure from, let's say, the CEO. Get the feature out, get the feature out, get the feature out. And they get it out. And then they deal with the support calls afterwards. And usually, since I've been with Nobor, when we push something out, I'd say 95% of the time, we don't get a support call at all. I won't say 100 because that's not true. Um, but 95% of the time, we do not get an onslaught of any kind of support calls going, you broke something or you screwed this up or, you know, I had some kind of connection here and you broke that and... So they're real careful about that. And that's why I don't mind, you know, they said Q4 and they're pushing it to Q1. Good. Make sure it works. Don't don't just push something out to push something All out. Right. Okay. Well, folks, I'm going to have the link in the show notes, uh, nodeware.com, uh, vulnerability scan. Again, a little bit different because it's always scanning, 
always watching, uh, which a lot of our products don't do now. And uh, the FAQ page literally spells out what the product is, how it works. Uh, it's, it's not really a secret uh, <laughs> as to what you guys do. Well, and I'll add in two more things real quick. One, NIST, CIS are starting to name continuous vulnerability, putting the word continuous in. Second thing is <laughs> insurance companies are starting to require it. Now, yeah. the big boys are starting to require it. You know, I've gotten feedback. Well, my little one didn't. They're going to. It's coming. Because the big boys are who reinsure them. Oh, yeah. Are starting to pass that down. We even had a partner tell us now, let me put a caveat in here. Results are not typical, blah, blah, blah. You know, so I'm not saying it does this. I'm saying we've had one partner call us, though, and say, that when they went to apply for cyber liability insurance and they found out they were using continuous vulnerability scanning, they actually gave them a discount because they said, great, you'll find critical vulnerabilities immediately and not wait. We'll give you a discount for that. So I have a feeling over the long term that may happen more and more. Um, no, I so think I'm excited it, to see what happens. I think it will. I had two clients last year, that, well, this year, 2023, that went to go renew their cyber liability insurance. And all of a sudden they had these extra requirements that they had to do that they didn't do before. And they asked me, can we do these? And I said, yes, we can. How much will it cost? And we told them and they went back to get their insurance quote. And actually the cost more than paid for what it was going to cost me to assist them with that. So it was kind of a, a win-win. They got the insurance, they got the no. coverage, and they did not have to pay uh, more for that. So that uh, that is definitely happening. And I work with uh, law firms and insurance companies. That stuff is coming, folks. Oh, yeah. And it's neat because what's happening is the SMBs by default are not only getting their insurance and getting better rates, but wait for it. God forbid, they're becoming more secure in the process. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, Matt, I, I had one more question I should have asked you in the beginning because it would have been a nice, lighthearted question. But I wasn't sure if I was going to ask this. Actually, I've got two questions. Yep. Uh, let me first ask you, Florida State. Yes, sir. Yes or no for the college playoff? Makes the college playoff, gets eliminated in the first round. First round. Yeah, I don't think I don't think with a backup quarterback we have what it takes. Now this is no knock on Tate, but Tate hasn't been there, done that. Right. So I think we beat Louisville, and I think whoever we play uh, nicely removes us from the playoff. So, and you're assuming it's going to be Georgia or Michigan as number one. Correct. Correct, because we'll be number four most likely. Regardless of regardless of all the chaos that could happen. Yep. I think they'll keep us number four because of the quarterback situation. Gotcha. All right. And the second question I want to ask you about is tell me about the drum thing. I've been having a blast since I got back from IT Nation. I've been playing a lot again. Yeah. And I've got my friends who have studios that I usually cut tracks for. And I got one that said he's sending me a new song shortly, and I just cannot wait to sink my teeth into it. Because, you know, the best thing is not just playing along with someone. It's when you get music that someone's written, and you get to create from scratch what it should sound like. And it's such a fun process. 
So let me ask this. So was drums something that you did in school growing up there at Terravella High School, 20 minutes from my house? Yeah. I started the drums at eight years old. Okay. It's in the marching band at Terravella. Okay. And then I was at Florida State in the marching band. All right. And I've also played drum set, God, since I've been eight years old and been in at a, several bands that played all over the place and actually had a shot, actually had a shot to go pro. And the band I was in, believe it or not, we had a shot and we all sat down one night and said, okay, we're finally getting to where we said we wanted to be. Now let's be honest. Are we willing to be on a tour bus for the rest of our lives Mm -hmm. if we make it? And after about three hours worth of the discussion, we all went, yeah, no, mm -mm, not what we want out of life. We want to play, but we don't want to be on the tour bus. Right. So we decided not to continue with that and continue to just play the party scene. Um, you know, and had a blast doing it. Now, I was going to say that there could be a good life in doing the circuits that are out there, whether it's the – I don't want to say the local bars because no. you can you can kind of do a circuit above that, right? That's not necessarily pro, but you can you do the fairs. You know, oh, uh, and do that stuff that that wasn't uh, in the works. Not at that time. Fraternities and sororities paid well enough, <laughs> um, you know, that we could go to the parties. We'd get paid. We had all the food and drink we wanted. And let's be honest, we had all the little girls, you know, chasing us all around, which was fun and flattering <laughs> in the sorority. But it's funny you say that because, you know, depending on what happens with Nodeware, um you know, because the goal is always to push hard and either get bought or a really large investment uh, or whatever the case may be. So I'm not saying I'm bolting or anything. I'm just saying, but when Nodeware is over, I might do one more. I might just go back to consulting. And if I go back to consulting again, don't you dare think that I'm not putting together the old man band with your friends of mine that are all in their 50s and 60s. Oh. And we're not going out and playing every weekend for whatever the five or 600 bucks we can get plus drinks and food. I, are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> Cause the old man bands get made fun of a lot. <laughs> yeah. We keep it classy though. We don't try to be uh we don't try to be 20 years old. We just play uh we play fun stuff that people enjoy. We stay in our lane because you know, I can still play, you know, heavy metal country rock or whatever. But uh, a lot of the guys don't quite have the same chops they use. Right, right. Well, I was going to so, ask what what genre do you normally play? Because that kind of determines, you know, what gets played, right? Yeah, I mean, I play a lot of rock still. I okay, play, I play. You know, I guess I'll call it funk, rock, and uh, some ballad type stuff. Um, every once in a while, I'll mix in with a little country, but I don't play the old fashioned kind of country. Um, the, well, the new country, rock. right? The new country. Yeah. Country rock. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And so that's a lot of fun. And as I said, laying down those parts from scratch, that's what's a blast. Because, you know, you, you already, you're listening to somebody else, and therefore it's hard to put new thoughts in your head when you're listening to what they're doing because you're going, oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Versus listening to music by yourself the first time, there's nothing there. And you're sitting there going, wait a second. Ooh, that's not, okay. That's going to sound good. Okay. What do I want to, you know, because you've got tracks you can lay down so you can put things over the top of the drum set. And so it's a blast. Nice. All right. Well, Matt, we've come a long way since the days where we thought we both hated each other. 
<laughs> Never thought you hated me. I thought you just didn't, you know, love me. Wait, wait. <laughs> I'm not going to say it on the air. We'll have that discussion later. And we've already had the discussion and explained what, what happened, misconceptions. Um, but again, goes back to what we said earlier when we were talking about vendor etiquette. Hey, just be honest. Speak up. Be honest. And, uh, it's not hard. Things. We're all in this together, and I've never been in an industry more so than the channel. We're literally, we're all in this together, and we need to act like it. Now, I understand from an MSP perspective, there are a bunch of vendors that don't act like it. Totally got that. So I'm not saying it like, well, I don't understand what, but we all need to get to that point where, hey, we're all in this together. We really are. And, you know, we need to act like it and take care of each other from both sides. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, folks, if you have not had a chance to chat with Matt, do so. Uh, look up Nodeware and get your vulnerability scanning game in gear. Uh, actually, and then not a bad deal. Not not too pricey. I mean, no. let's 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 be honest. It's not exorbitant. Uh, and if you're going to pay for continuous monthly scans, you can definitely pay for continuous always on scans. And uh, do that. So Nodeware.com and check out Matt Canid. He will be in the show notes with guest information so you can reach out to him and sign up for one of their demos. And so we don't see you next year on the uh, Pitch It circuit, do we? Nope. You make it to the top three, you're not allowed to participate again. All right. But we'll still see you out there. I don't know if you wanted. I'd be happy to be a coach. So we'll see where that goes. I, I, uh, listen, don't don't try to get to Sean through this show. If you reach out to him directly, well, no, 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 no. I have a cell phone number. I'll call <laughs> <Okay>. Sean. <laughs> Sean doesn't Sean doesn't listen to this show. I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Sean doesn't listen to anybody. <laughs> now, nah, but we've already talked, and I told him any way I can be involved to help because you know I like helping new vendors. You know that Nodeware is five years old in reference to the platform, but technically they're a new vendor. I love that. That's my fun. You know, you take me to a mature vendor that's been around 10 years. It's okay. I can revamp sales and marketing and put everything in place and coach a sales team. But it's not as much fun as taking something new and building it. Well, there's a difference in a company maturity where things are set, things are comfortable. And... You know, in a new company, you're still in the honeymoon phase. You're in the growing stage. And, you know, people are willing to do things. And, of course, if you are super mature, that's a whole different ballgame. So. Yeah, and you make an impact. You make a serious impact on where the company can go. Whereas I said, I've come into companies that are in existence for a while and needed a punch in the gut when it came to their sales team, you know, to reorganize process. Uh, get the salespeople thinking the right way. And don't get me wrong. That it's not that it's not fun to do that because I like teaching sales. I like sales management and putting stuff in place. But there's nothing like really establishing a culture and establishing all the processes, methodologies, and everything like that to watch and help a company grow. And then to watch someone else come in in five years and just rip it apart and go, that was all wrong. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, Matt, we will uh, we will chat again, sir, and we'll Absolutely. definitely see you out on the circuit in 2024. Uh, yep. If I do not talk to you uh, before the end of the year, have a good holiday. You as well. And this time, 
you should see family on Christmas. I should. We'll see if I decide to do that. <laughs> All right, my friend. Uh, thanks for hanging out, and uh, we'll see you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, those of you listening, thanks for hanging out, especially if you made it to the end. I appreciate that. Uh, if this is your first time uh, checking out the show, head over to itbusinesspodcasts.com. Hit one of the follow buttons on your favorite podcatcher, and you will be able to get these shows whenever they are released. We do audio shows whenever. We do live shows Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, and you can see us on all the social medias, YouTube, LinkedIn, and the Facebook. And uh, we'll be right back here again with more conversations on how to help you do things better, smarter, and faster. We'll see you soon. Until then, holla. <laughs>